We begin again with Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, because we're studying about the fact that Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Now, uh, verse 14 talks about the blessing. Verse 13 talks about our redemption from the curse. In Galatians 3.13, let's read it. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now we've been dealing with the first part of this, uh, or verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, and we saw uh, and uh, that uh, the curse actually came in with Adam's transgression, and we said a lot of things about that, and we're not able to repeat all the things that we said, especially in this last uh, teaching that we uh, recorded for yesterday. You need to go back and listen to all of them so you get a clear picture of what we're saying. Because I know we're saying some things that are, that are, are different than what you commonly hear uh, in churches. Uh, but we're talking about the Scripture. We're talking about God's Word. What does God's Word say about it? I really don't care what anybody else says about it. I want to know what thus saith the Lord. I want to know what God's Word says on the subject. And we saw clearly that the curse came in because of Adam's transgression. And God told him that the curse has come into the earth because of what you did. What did Adam do? What did Eve do? They disobeyed God. And uh, we talked about that. Go back and listen to it. It'll bless you. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, we have the catalog of the blessing and the curse. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, you have a catalog of the blessing of God's covenant people. And, uh, of course, that, that's the blessing of Abraham. And uh, uh, we'll talk more about that in, in, in later on. But no confusion exists as to what is the blessing and what is the curse. No curse is ever a blessing in disguise. The curse is never the will of God for his people. It wasn't the will of God that the curse enter into the earth. Adam allowed it to enter into the earth. Now, that's an important piece of information that you have to get down in your spirit because it answers so many questions. And this is the purpose of this. We're answering questions uh, by the Spirit of God, things that God has uh, showed us, and we're uh, pleased to be able to share it with you. We thank God for the privilege. So it's important that you get it. Uh, curses and afflictions do not please God and are not His will for any human being. They are the result, the direct result of disobedience or sin or rebellion. But there's other reasons for the curse, and we'll talk about that. As a matter of fact, God gives us the right to choose be between blessings and the curse. As a matter of fact, hold your place there. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, go to chapter 30 and verse 19. God says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. See, God doesn't want you to choose the curses. He doesn't want you to choose death. He wants you to choose blessing and life. Amen. If you go back here 
in verse uh, 1 of this same chapter, you'll see that, that now, verse 1, Now it shall come to pass, when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you. So in this chapter, he's explaining further this blessing and this curse. And in verse 15, he says, See, I have set before you today life and good. Now that's the blessing. And death and evil. That's the curse. Anything that's death or evil or destruction or pain or sickness or disease or lack or want or defeat or uh, every other evil thing that you can think of is under that curse. And we'll see that uh, some more like we saw in yesterday's broadcast. Now, uh, again, God says in verse 19, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. So if he's saying choose life, he's saying choose the blessing. Choose what is good. Amen. According to verse 15. But some people don't. And that's why you have Deuteronomy chapter 28. And it tells us in verse 15, it details from verse 15 through verse 68, the results of disobedience. Now, God told Adam, you eat of the tree that I command you not to eat, and death in all realms will come in. In dying, you will die. And then God said, because you disobeyed me and did not do what I commanded you to do and ate of the tree that I told you not to eat of, now, because of what you've done, the whole inhabited earth is cursed because of it. Now, again, go back and listen to all of that. But verse 15, we saw through here over and over again that uh, there are certain reasons for the cause of the curse. Now, reading verses 15 through 22, you would immediately be led to believe that the curses are the direct result of God. Or in other words, that God curses people. And really... It, 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 uh, that's what it says. Now, what do you do with that? Because that would contradict everything else that's in the scripture on it. If that's true, that God curses people, then how could Jesus redeem us from the curse? Did he redeem us from something God does? Is that what he came to do? No, it says he came to, the, to destroy the works of the devil. It says he became to destroy him who had the authority of death or the power of death. That is the devil. He didn't come to destroy something that God does. He came to redeem us from the curse that came in because of disobedience. And frankly, the author of that curse is the devil. That's what he came to deliver us from. Amen. So what do you do when it says that God curses you, that God sends on you cursing, like it says in verse 20, that, uh, uh, that uh, he'll make the, the Lord will make the plague cling to you, like in verse 21. The Lord will strike you with consumption in verse 22 and 23. What are you going to do with all of that? Well, like I told you, JPS Tanakh translation of verse 20 says, the Lord will let loose against you calamity or panic. Now, that's a whole lot different than the Lord actually doing it. He said he'll let loose against you. Then from the Tanakh translation, that's the Jewish Publication Society uh, Tanakh translation. Verse 48, you shall serve in hunger and thirst, naked and lacking everything. Watch this. The enemies whom the Lord will let loose upon you. 
And then uh, the God's Word translation in verse 20 says, The Lord will let your enemies defeat you. So that's different. The Lord letting loose or the Lord allowing bad things to happen than the Lord actually doing it. Now, why does God have to allow bad things to happen in the earth? Is it because he has some um, mysterious purpose in evil things and you just never know what God's going to do, as tradition says? Or does he have some uh, uh, reason for sickness or disease or pain? Why does God have to allow bad things in the earth? I'll tell you why. God gave authority and dominion over this planet to his man, Adam. And Adam, through his transgression, turned it over to God's enemy, Satan, who is the author of death, who is destruction personified, as we've seen, who is, did you know that death is an enemy? 1 Corinthians 15, 26 says that the last enemy that shall be put under feet, under, our, uh, under his feet, is death. Death is not a friend. Death is an enemy. And we saw that when Satan is finally removed from human contact, death, pain, sorrow, the curse, all that sickness and disease will be done away when finally death and Satan and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire. So, this being so, does this mean that God has some purpose in allowing bad things to happen? No, 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 no. The reason God has to allow bad things to happen is because of his word. He said, disobey me and the curse will come. In other words, you don't do what God says, and it opens a door for the enemy of God to come in. Now, that's a whole lot different. You know, a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, yes, I know. Uh, yes, God heals, but now every once in a while, he'll allow you to get sick so that you can learn something. Isn't it interesting that people that say that will run to the doctor and do the best they can to rid themselves of sickness and disease. Well, if you believe God's allowing it or permitting it for some reason to teach you or something, then why go to the doctor and get rid of that which God is using to teach you something with? That doesn't make any sense. People aren't consistent. They just don't know what they believe because they don't know the scripture. Now, if you know the word, you understand that it's not that God allows bad things to happen. Like you say that as a as a overall statement, it's that God has to allow things to happen. And we'll see it as we study this. He allows bad things to happen because people in the earth allow it. People in the earth permit it. Now, if you've not heard that, I'll tell you straight out. You remember the scripture where Jesus said in Matthew 16 and 18 and also 18 and verse, uh, um, I believe it's uh, verse 20. No, actually it's verse uh, 16, 17, 18, 19, right in there. You'll see that Jesus said out of his own mouth, What things soever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and what you loose upon the earth will be loosed upon the, uh, 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 in heaven. Well, read that from some other translations and look that up from the Greek. And literally it says, Whatever you permit or allow 
upon the earth will be permitted or allowed by heaven. And what things you refuse to allow or forbid on the earth will be forbidden by my Father which is in heaven. Now see, again, there's legalities involved. Adam took the dominion and the authority that God gave him and turned it over to the the devil. And since then, the devil's been ruling and reigning in death over those that will allow him to do so. And when people move over into his territory and disobey God and insist upon it and continue along the, that, uh, uh, that path, God has no choice but to allow the enemy to enter in to kill and to steal and to destroy. Now, this is why the scripture says, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is why the scripture says in Ephesians 4, 27, it says, give the devil no place. Don't give him a foothold. Why? Whatever you release or relinquish through either sin or disobedience or rebellion, and we'll see it even further, through ignorance. That's right. A lot of people give place to the devil because they're ignorant of the authority that we have in the name of Jesus to put him in his place. And you know where that is? Under our feet. Glory to God. That's the place he should always be. That means under our authority in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, in my name cast him out. Amen. In my authority. That's what that word name means. In my dominion cast him out. Amen. All right. Now, with all that under your belt, (laughs) and I know I've said a lot of things to you, what brings the curse on the scene? Who or what is directly responsible for the curse? Well, no question about it. The first one that we have to say is disobedience. And I gave you a lot of scriptures yesterday about this. The curse is the direct result of disobedience or breaking divine law or his commandments, just like it happened to Adam. And we saw that. Now, verse 15, Deuteronomy 28, 15. It shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And then the list begins. So disobedience is number one. Amen. Number two, we saw yesterday. The curse is the result of sowing evil and reaping evil. And the scripture that uh, I quoted to you, I'm going to read it now, is in the book of Galatians, chapter 6. A lot of people don't know this, but it's in the Bible. You can sow blessing and reap blessing, and you can also sow the curse and reap the curse. You can sow sin and reap the curse. Uh, But again, how do we correlate? Because then it tells us, Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Well, you're a Christian, you're born again, you're spirit-filled, you're walking with God, and you're walking along the way, and God tells you to do something and you disobey. According to the Word of God, Satan has every right to bring the curse into your life. But wait a minute. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. So what do we do? Well, we run to the sacrifice of Jesus. We run to the blood that's upon the mercy seat that cries cries mercy. We run 
uh, to the Lord Jesus and repent and confess our sin before him. And he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He delivers us from our sin and from our disobedience. And thank God we're right smack again in the middle of righteousness and life and peace. And the devil then has no right to touch us. Now that is if we'll take a stand on that. Because I know there's people that don't know that. So the devil comes in with his death, with his sickness and disease and curses. And they allow him to come in. And they let him come in. And they don't resist him. And they don't stand against him. So the devil has a heyday with them. But he does not have the right to. And that's the important thing. Because Jesus legally defeated him. Because he was raised from the dead. And he turned that authority over the devil and hell over to the church. Don't you remember? Jesus said that the gates of Hades would not prevail against the church. Glory to God. That means we have authority and dominion. He said, in my name, cast them out. Resist him. Don't give them place. Amen. Stand in the evil day against all the wiles of the devil. In Ephesians chapter 6, we have that right. Satan has no right to us. Amen. Now that's important. Now Galatians chapter 6. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let me settle down here a minute. <laughs> Glory. Woo. Hallelujah. All right, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For the he that, now watch this, he that sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. And that's bondage to the world. Bondage of corruption. Like it says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 21, that the whole earth is under the bondage of corruption. Well, you sow uh, sin, you sow rebellion, you sow to the flesh, you sow disobedience, and that's what you're going to reap. But he that sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Well, choose life. That's what God said. Choose life. Sow life, sow blessing. Amen. There's one other scripture that I'm going to give you, and that's from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And this is talking about sowing and reaping in the financial realm. Now, this is important. Sowing and reaping affects all realms. And I have a, a, a mini book that we just finished recently that you need to get that it talks about the importance of your words. And if are, are they important? Do words really matter? Well, uh, it goes into this whole realm of sowing and reaping and how it affects every realm of life. You need to get that because this is another uh, side of this that people don't get. Now, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, it says, He that sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And you look it up. He that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Now, if you sow sparingly... You're sowing to the curse. If you sow bountifully, you're sowing to the blessing. Now look it up. You'll find out that the word bountifully means with blessings. And uh, I, I just wanted to show you that it affects every realm of human existence. Amen. Now go study that, that book because there's a lot more in there. Uh, uh, 
you know, that talks specifically about the aspect of why everything produces after its own kind on this planet. Everything is the result of sowing either good or evil, and you're going to reap according to what you've sown. Now, the third reason that we talked about, and this is new territory for many of us, so I'm going to go back over it a little bit uh, slower, and that is that the curse is the result of divine judgment because of disobedience and rebellion to God's word that grants or gives access to the destroyer. Now, we saw in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 18, verse 34 and 35, where after Jesus gives the parable of the uh, unmerciful servant that refused to forgive his uh, fellow servant, Jesus said that the, uh, um, which is literally talking about God, he said that he, that because he refused to have compassion and forgive, he was turned over to the tormentors. And then Jesus said, God will do the same thing to you if you don't forgive from your heart. Well, that doesn't sound good that God turns you over. Why does God have to turn you over? Because he wants to? No, because there's a legal reason. The devil is legally though illegitimately, but he's legally in the earth because of Adam's sin. He has a right to steal, kill, and destroy on all those that refuse to do things God's way. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm being real plain about this. Okay, It's not because God wants to. This is important to turn you over to the destroyer. No, 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 no. When you disobey him, I'm talking about. No, it's because he has to. His word is on the line. Now, listen to me. Jesus said, you have one that judges you. And he talked about Moses and what he wrote. The word of God is what judges us. In other words, you do something that violates spiritual law, which is his word, then you have literally... Um, uh, violated spiritual law, you have violated his word, and what that means is that Satan has then a legal right uh, to destroy you. I had another thought going on in there, but uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll come back to that in a minute. Now, remember Exodus 12, 23? Notice that God first said, when he was talking about uh, the children of Israel, Israel being protected from the destroyer that would come and destroy the firstborn. First of all, God said, I'm going to smite those that are out from under the blood. But if you go back there, you'll see that then it says the Lord himself brings light in the same verse, in, in verse 23. Go back and read the passage. First, at the beginning, God says, I'm going to smite you. I'm going to do it. But then the Lord says, the Lord will not allow the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. Now, do you see that? Exodus 12, 23. There's a vast difference between God allowing the destroyer to do something and God causing destruction himself. himself. So what happens? That the enemy of God is granted access. Well, it's very simple. Disobedience, rebellion, violation of God's word or covenant, insisted upon, gets judgment because his word is divine law. It is established. It can never be broken. His word is forever. It's the incorruptible seed, Peter called it. 
Uh, it's, it's forever and ever. He also said, uh, God will never go back on his word. So his word has to come to pass. So what happens when people violate his word or uh, do something contrary to his word or his commandment or his commandments or his divine law, judgment is passed. And that grants the enemy the right to come in. Now I told you and uh, that Satan is the legal God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Jesus recognized him as the prince of this world. Uh, when uh, the devil came to Jesus in the temptation, uh, uh, in the wilderness, you remember what he said? All these kingdoms of the world, um, I will give to you if you'll bow down and worship me because uh, they've been handed over to me. Look it up. Luke chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4. And study it out. And Jesus didn't challenge that. Jesus understood that was right. Where did he get that? He got that from Adam, God's authorized man. And now the destroyer is authorized to operate in the earth unless someone begins to obey God and his word and the Lord Jesus. And that's when Satan no longer has right. Now notice how I said that. He no longer has a right. But you're going to have to stand on the word of redemption. You're going to have to stand on the covenant by faith. You're going to have to stand on the blood of the covenant by faith that sealed the everlasting covenant. You're going to have to stand by faith. You're going to have to walk by faith in that word. And as you do, the devil has to keep his hands off. Now, this is all very important, okay? Uh, let me say it again. God allows many things to happen on this planet that are not the will of God. He doesn't like it. He doesn't appreciate it. And in fact, it grieves him. He hates it. He doesn't like what's going on in the planet in the name of the devil, in the name of sin and death and disobedience. God doesn't like that. And he, but he has to allow it to happen because of the legal right that Adam gave to Satan. Now, a lot of people don't get this. God has to allow a person that doesn't want to receive Jesus, if they die without Jesus, to go to hell. He doesn't want that. Do you know the scripture says that? And I mean, this applies to everything across the board. You need to learn this. And this is, uh, let me give you some scripture. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. Did you hear that? But that all should come to repentance. God doesn't want one single person to go to hell. And in the same way, God doesn't want one single person to suffer the curse. God doesn't want one single person to be sick or diseased or infirm. That's why Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases, the scripture says. God wants us free from that. Now let me give you another scripture. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. There it said, God's not willing that any should perish. And yet you and I know that people die and go to hell every day. 
Just like people die and go to heaven, those that know Jesus. But those that are without him and refuse him and reject him, they die and go to hell. Yet God's not willing. It is not his will. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now that's the will of God. Now this is important because this word saved here in 1 Timothy 2.4 is the same Greek word that could be translated health, could be translated wealth, could be translated being complete and whole. God desires for all men to be healthy and prosperous and wealthy and whole and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, you don't believe it. Look it up. Look up that word saved. That word uh, uh, in the Greek, and you'll see that it means that. I challenge you. Do it. 1 Timothy 2.4. He desires all men to be in health or to be healed or to be wealthy, or to be prosperous, or to be blessed, or to be whole and entire and complete, where uh, nothing is broken or missing in your life. And that's what that word saved means. God desires that. That's his will. But you and I know that there's people that are not operating in the will of God. They're not operating in the word of God, which is his will. They've opened the door to the enemy. They allow the enemy because of ignorance or sin or disobedience or rebellion. And they don't understand that... Um, God has given us the right to stand against the devil, to stand against the curse that came into the earth because Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Now again, Deuteronomy chapter uh, 28, verses 15 through 68 is the catalog of the curse. We are going to study it. We're going to get into it. Because if Christ redeemed us from the curse, we need to know what we've been redeemed from. And of course, we've talked about it all over this. But if you go back and read Deuteronomy 28, you'll find that it includes every foul sickness or disease, every um, kind of evil thing that you could think of, poverty, premature death, crop failures and famines, failures on a national level. It includes defeat in wars. It includes slavery in every single form. Oh, yeah, it includes human trafficking, too. Did you know that's under the curse? Did you know that business failures are under the curse? As a matter of fact, everything that can be called evil in our world is under the curse. You can't look at a cancer and call that good. No, it's evil. It's authored by the devil, and it's a part of this all-pervasive curse. All destructive natural Disasters are under the curse. Plagues and other destructive things, they're the work of the enemy. They're the work of the curse in the earth. And it's, and it's said over and over again in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verses 15 through 68. And there's other places where it talks about this curse. Do you know that what happened to Job was the result of Satan? He lost, Satan killed his kids, destroyed his houses ruined his crops, killed all his cattle, and then put sickness and disease on him. And you can read that in Job chapter 2. And you'll find out that all of that was the result of Satan, not the result of God. And this is an important lesson for us today. Now, we'll continue with this uh, tomorrow. 
and uh, we'll bring you some more insights by the Spirit of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.